Welcome to A Dark Turn, part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm your host, Kevin Deutsch. Here on the show, our goal is to take you deep inside the world of criminals and criminality and to illuminate the darker parts of American society, especially those where violence and psychopathy collide with the American ideal. The story that we'll be devoting the podcast to tonight begins in 2007, the year a mysterious killer turned Boca Raton's most exclusive shopping mall into a hunting ground. He was a violent psychopath with a calling card, a chilling ritual in which he slid blacked out motorcycle goggles over shoppers' eyes and meticulously bound them with zip ties, handcuffs, and duct tape inside their vehicles, rendering them sightless and motionless. Intelligent and organized, he spent 10 terrifying months stalking women and children where they spend and play. Then he disappeared, leaving behind a trail of grieving families and traumatized survivors, along with a series of haunting clues. Detectives continue to be mystified by the Boca Mall cases, by their brutality and their strangeness. In their most fearful moments, they've wondered whether this uncaught killer might decide to reemerge somewhere, perhaps in Boca or maybe another shopping mall, and strike again. In recent months, I've been conducting an independent investigation into the murders and abductions, ritualistic crimes that shocked South Florida when they occurred, leading America's most wanted host, John Walsh, to declare their perpetrator a cunning, pathological serial killer. Opinions are divided on whether one or more men committed the mall crimes. The cases are split between two agencies, the Boca Raton Police Department and the Palm Beach Sheriff's Office, with the FBI assisting the Boca Police. Whether the perpetrator is one man, a ritualistic serial killer, or multiple, which is perhaps an even scarier thought, I use a single name for the entity responsible for these crimes, the Boca Mall Killer. The crimes he committed were ghastly. The ritualistic killings of three mall goers, one of them a seven-year-old girl, the abductions of five victims who just left the mall, and the robbery of a sixth at a different upscale shopping center in Boca. Whether he has additional victims, we don't know. For myriad reasons, the crimes have always felt intensely personal to me. In 2007 and 2008, me and my reporting partner on the crime beat at the Palm Beach Post, Mike LaForgia, now with the New York Times, covered these cases around the clock. We wanted desperately to get answers for the families of homicide victims Randy Gorenberg, Nancy Bokikio, and her daughter Joey. But despite all the interviews we conducted, all the documents we fought for and poured over, all the sources we worked and on the stories we co-authored, we came up short. The Boca crimes stayed with me for years. I sometimes had dreams about them, and I still do. I'd always try and sneak in an hour or two of research into the cases on my slower shifts over the years at newspapers I'd later work for, like the Daily News in New York. Earlier this year, I began investigating the mall crimes full-time for a new nonfiction book about the crimes and my experiences related to them these past 10-plus years. What follows is part one in an occasional series examining the Boca Mall murders and abductions, a sort of supplement to the writing project. This audio series is a way to inform listeners who may not know much about these cases and help generate tips, any one of which could, at long last, break these cases open. In sharing this occasional series, that is my sincerest hope. Part 1. A Shopper's Paradise The afternoon of March 23, 2007, was sun-splashed and humid in Boca Raton. 
the mercury holding steady at 80 degrees, but shoppers at Town Center Mall didn't seem to mind the heat. Outside the luxury property, palm trees swayed in a gentle wind as visitors climbed in and out of expensive cars, Maseratis, Porsches, Mercedes-Benzes, and Corvettes among them. The patrons took nary a glance at their surroundings, for in Town Center's 27-year history, few violent crimes had been perpetrated upon mallgoers. There's no record of a single person having ever been kidnapped from the property before 2007, nor had a homicide ever been recorded on the premises. Boca was a safe, quiet city, a place of immense wealth and influence, and Town Center was its crown jewel. In a municipality filled with chic boutiques and high-end shops, the mall was then, and still is, the place where Southern Palm Beach County's wealthiest residents came to do their serious shopping. Even at 1 p.m. on a weekday, it was packed with thousands of well-heeled visitors scoping out their favorite brands, Brooks Brothers, Cartier, Tiffany & Co., and dozens more. Surveillance footage taken that afternoon shows people smiling and laughing, their children playing in the mall's gilded corridors. Few could have known how vulnerable they were at that moment, or why. The property owner, Simon Malls, had never gotten around to installing security cameras in the parking lot after acquiring Town Center in 1998, perhaps because Boca has such a low crime rate. The absence of such a surveillance system meant any person committing a crime within the sprawling parking areas of the 125-acre property would not have to worry about their image being captured on surveillance footage. No one, not Simon Malls, not the Boca Raton Police Department, could have imagined the savagery with which that security flaw was about to be exploited. Among those oblivious to the risk was Randy Gorenberg, a lithe, elegant 52-year-old brunette brunette known in Boca's Jewish community for her volunteer work and charitable acts. At approximately 1 p.m., she'd plucked the CD from a display inside a major retail store at Town Center, eager to get back to her new Mercedes-Benz SUV and start listening. John Legend's voice had been in her head for hours, thanks to his show-stopping performance on the Today Show early that morning. She adorned the energy in his music, the smoothness of his voice, and now she'd be able to enjoy them whenever she liked. Her proximity to the mall was one of the things Randy loved most about Boca Living. She could see an outfit she liked on TV or hear a catchy song from an album and be holding it in her hand 20 minutes later. Town Center was a place of leisure for Randy, a destination to which she could escape when things became difficult at home or when she wanted to brighten up her children's day with a special gift. She'd always had a natural sophistication about her, an innate sense of style and taste that her family's wealth allowed her to cultivate. Town Center was a place where her good taste could be put to use. A Brooklyn native, Randy Gorenberg, born Randy Mallets, married Stuart Gorenberg in 1979, the couple soon moving from New York to Boca so that Stuart could launch a local chiropractic office, a practice that quickly became a success. The Gorenbergs had two children together, a son, Daniel, and a daughter, Sari, who they raised in an opulent $2.2 million home just west of Boca. From the outside, Randy's life seemed idyllic, but like all families, hers had its troubles and secrets. No one outside the Gorenberg clan would have cared much about those secrets, those pieces of dirty laundry myself and other reporters would soon be digging through, had Randy come home from the mall that day. 
But as she strolled toward Town Center's south exit, a killer with a diabolical plan lay in wait. And Randy, accustomed to the comfort and safety of this glistening property, had no inkling of the violence that awaited her. Out in the mall parking lot, all appeared normal. Town Center security guards recall seeing nothing unusual amid the bustle of cars coming and going as Randy approached the exit, and not a single shopper reported witnessing anything out of the ordinary to authorities or to the hordes of journalists who would soon descend on the mall. What we know about the moments immediately following Randy's passage through the south exit, we know thanks to two security cameras attached to the exterior of the mall. One of those cameras captured a portion of one of Town Center's numerous pedestrian walkways, a footpath that led out into the parking lot. Footage from the other camera showed Randy passing through the south exit doors between Neiman Marcus and Sears at 1.14 p.m., then turning down that pedestrian walkway. Randy's mother, Idy Elias, said she immediately, immediately knew it was her daughter in the footage because Randy didn't walk, she bounced. She was full of life. Like the homicide detectives investigating Randy's murder these past 11 years, I've reviewed the still frames from that footage thousands of times, looking for any clue that might expose the killer. A blurred face, a glimpse of clothing, a partial license plate, something, anything that helps explain what happened in the moments after Randy left the comfort of the mall and entered the sweltering heat that afternoon. No matter how many times I go over the images, they remain haunting. In them, Randy is seen briefly stopping to check her cell phone just outside the south exit, something many shoppers did due to the poor reception their phones received inside town center. After that, she is visible in a few more frames, looking calm and unhurried in each. She moves jauntily, almost bouncing as she goes, just the way her mother remembers. Then the frames go blank, Randy moving out of the camera's range. She's never seen alive again. No one knew it yet, but the Boca Mall killer's 10-month reign of terror had begun. If you have any information about something related to the mall crimes, anything at all, whether or not you think it might be significant, please message me via our dedicated investigative Facebook page, The Boca Mall Murders Investigation and help us at last bring closure to the families of Nancy and Joey Bocchicchio and Randy Gorenberg. Part two in this occasional series will be available next month. Thanks for listening to A Dark Turn.